Welcome to the Sustaining Healthy podcast, a collection of informative discussions around all aspects of health and lifestyle. We're your hosts. I'm Chels, coffee lover and corporate professional who recently realised there's a lot to learn about health. I'm Ellen, doctor, nutritionist and dog mum with an interest in preventative and female health. Join us as we chat about a new topic each week and attempt to navigate the complex landscape of health. Together we wish to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land on which we are recording, the Wajak people. Hello, welcome to another Sustaining Healthy episode. We are back from holidays and feeling refreshed and also wishing we were still on holidays. So, <laughs> yeah, Elle, how are you and how was Europe? Oh, Europe was amazing. Already feels like it was too long ago. Um, yes, no, very lucky to finally get overseas after a long few years. Um, and yeah, it was a beautiful holiday. We went to Italy and Greece um, and it was just beautiful, nice and warm, um, relaxing and just, yeah, eating lots of yummy food. And how about you? Off to the big New York City. How was it? It was awesome. It was so good to have a break from work. I don't think I'd been overseas since before I started my career. Um, actually, maybe that's not true. But anyway, I was overdue for a holiday. Less... Um, beachside and strolling through villages like you more of exploring the big city that is new york but i loved it it was so good to have time away from work and life and catch up with friends and just um go sightseeing again so yeah loved every part of it it looked incredible new york isn't somewhere i've been before so definitely you've put it higher on my list for sure now it feels like a while since we've been here talking across the microphone um but do you have a health win for us, Chels? I do. Um, I'm glad we mentioned holidays because I came back from New York feeling refreshed, rejuvenated, but not very healthy because New York is not exactly known for its healthy food. And it shocked me over there. Like I could get a pizza for 99 cents, which I didn't because it was a bit concerning, <laughs> but it would be like $30 for a salad. But anyway, I ate a lot of lovely things, bagels, whatnot over there. So then I came back here and have been on a bit of a health kick since then. So I have started F45, which I'm loving. I've never done it before because I always saw it like everyone that did it was just like really invested and beyond what I thought I was capable of. But I've started doing that and I'm loving it. The classes are really easy to follow. It's really good. Uh, One thing I struggle with is like accountability, like I will – give up after a few weeks or whatnot but they really hold you accountable there even after my first session the owner of the studio in south perth um he gave me a call for a chin wag just to be like how was it like what you know what do you want to get out of this so out and when i rocked up for my first session i knew the trainer so i'm really locked in now (laughs) i kind of like to stop going um only because that's what I do with habits I haven't formed, but they already know who I am. So I'm locked You're in now. Locked in. No, it is very helpful when that motivation, that initial motivation feels like it's starting to fade if you've got that accountability. And, and that's what group classes I feel like is, is yeah. really good for. They are um, good. Um, motivating once you're there. And now that I've said on the podcast, I feel like I'm <laughs> locked in, uh, which reminds me, speaking of 
locking things down the podcast in a recent episode. <laughs> <laughs> you oh, were no. hoping to run a half marathon and Alice had written your program and we promised to keep you accountable. So Yeah, look, I did I actually did a couple of runs while we we're away, but definitely not enough. Um so that is on my needing to get back into. Well, I saw you on Instagram one day doing a workout in an Italian hotel <laughs> lobby, so I know you still stayed healthy over there, but what was your main health win? Um, I think my health win for the holiday was I um, giving myself the space and time to completely switch off from work. I didn't do anything. I thought I probably would do some staying healthy stuff and reading and I had some study I needed to do for work as well, but um, I probably just gave myself the space and time to completely relax, read a couple of books, and I really enjoyed that and really needed it. Good. I didn't do that as well. I was kind of checked out from work, but I still check my emails about five times a day because I'm a bit of a compulsive <laughs> email checker. So there's still room for improvement there with me. Um, but I love that. You seem relaxed. <laughs> do I do going straight back to work is uh it has been very full on. I think the combination of jet lag and a very busy department at the moment um has made it yeah, felt like it's been thrown back into the deep end, but holding on to those holiday memories. Yeah, that's nice. Um now before we get into the episode which we're covering um polycystic ovary syndrome today, I have one more thing to share with you. Oh, I can't wait to hear. That I've been waiting to tell you. Guess what? What? We have had people that we don't know starting to reach out with questions about topics and health advice. That's exciting. It is exciting. I think um just to let everyone know, you can reach out to us via our social media or there's a question contact box on our website. Um, we can't give individual medical advice. Well, I definitely can't. <laughs> yeah, but, but um, general topics that you want to hear more about, um, we would love to hear from you or any kind of, yeah, feedback, constructive. <laughs> Otherwise, yeah. So we've had a few young women reach out that feel a bit stagnant in their health journey and they're looking for some guidance on how to get back on track. So we will be keeping that in mind and maybe doing a whole episode on it. Sounds like a plan. Well, with that today, we will be talking about PCOS, our polycystic ovary syndrome, um, which might be something you've, a term that you've heard thrown around, um, or heard of but not necessarily kind of understand the specifics of. So we're hoping that we might be able to clear that up a little bit today. Yeah, so to kick us off, Elle, um, can you give us an overview of like just women's reproductive health and hormones, like the basic terms we need to know in order to understand PCOS? Yeah, so if we're talking about people that are born with a female reproductive system, it is a very complex uh, system of hormones, but very basically there's the hypothalamus in the brain that um, sends hormones to the pituitary, which is a gland also in the brain, that then um, releases two so hormones called um, LH and FSH. And these act at the ovaries to then um, 
regulate the both the menstrual cycle and the hormones that are released from there, which include so your female hormones of estrogen and progesterone, um, and also androgens, which are like uh, male hormones, so like testosterone. So all of these different levels of hormones in a normal menstrual cycle um, vary and have different functions. But in PCOS, there is a dysregulation of this system, as well as in some people are insulin resistant. So insulin is another hormone that regulates the way that the body uses carbohydrates, which is a really important energy source. And so it's a very complex interaction between the androgens, so the a higher amount of those male sex hormones, um, and the development of insulin resistance that is thought to be kind of part of the underlying pathophysiology of PCOS, which isn't super well understood. And there's definitely um, thought to be genetic and environmental factors to why someone develops it. But yeah, in a very basic overview, they're kind of things that are involved. In terms of what PCOS actually is, so it's a syndrome, which means it's not, there's not like one test that you do that says yes or no, but there are three different criteria that you um, have to have two of to receive a diagnosis of PCOS. And there's slight variations in different um, criteria depending on where you are in the world and things like that. But one of the most commonly used ones, um, so the three criteria are oligo or anovulation, so not ovulating or ovulating less frequently than you should. Um, and so, And someone might, in terms of, presenting with that it could present as a really irregular period so um more than 35 or less than 21 days or if it's an ovulation they might present with fertility issues um having difficulty falling pregnant so that's one the second is hyper so high androgenism so a high of those androgens so um that can be diagnosed two different ways. So it could be that someone presents with the clinical symptoms of having those high androgens, or um, it can also be tested in a in a blood test. And then the third one is um, the polycystic ovaries, which they're not actually cysts. It, it appears that way on ultrasound because it's uh, multiple immature follicles that gives that kind of cystic appearance. And so that's diagnosed on ultrasound, but it's really important to know that just that doesn't give you the diagnosis of PCOS. And also that in the first 10 years, roughly, of someone following menarche, um, people can have that appearance to their ovaries and it not uh, and it be completely normal. So that's another factor that makes it, I guess, more difficult to diagnose in those earlier years. Just a quick one. Um, mm. What is menarche? Uh, like the when you get your period. Oh, I've never heard that term. Hmm. Okay, go on. Uh, so some of the other symptoms that someone might present with PCOS includes, so some of the, the high androgens might present with um, excess hair growth or uh, acne. They could present with weight gain or difficulty losing weight, um, irregular um, or absent periods like we talked about, difficulty with fertility. It also has an increased risk with insulin resistance then of type 2 diabetes um, or kind of 
cardiometabolic disorders, so things like high lipids. Um, it also, interestingly, there's a increased rate of both psychological symptoms um, and diagnosis. So that includes body dysmorphia, anxiety, depression, and disordered eating seem to have a higher rate in those diagnosed with PCOS. So it's really good to hear this breakdown because I know a little bit about PCOS because I have quite a few friends with it. And I remember when I was in my early 20s, um, when this the conversation around PCOS started happening, probably as my friends became more like in tune with their bodies, I realized that um, – yeah, quite a few of my friends suffered from it. And I myself Googled the symptoms because I was curious if it was something I should be investigating. But how, like obviously I've said early 20s is when the conversation started happening for me, but how common is PCOS and what, what age are people generally diagnosed or noticing it? Yeah, so it's it's really common. Like you said, if you know, most people probably have a number of people around them that have been diagnosed with it. Um, it's estimated to affect approximately one in ten people born with a female reproductive system, um, and it's the most common endocrine disorder in that that population of reproductive age. So it's definitely very relevant. It um, depends, I guess, on the age. Most people probably uh, present or are diagnosed in their 20s or 30s, um, and that might be because they're, it's when they're trying to get pregnant and, and having fertility issues and, and therefore have further investigation, um, but can be diagnosed any time, I guess, after, after menarche. And, and so you can, you know, when you first get your period it can be a regular to start with but should form a quite regular cycle after one to two years and so then following that if an irregular cycle persists or commence then that would be something that needed to be investigated further and so like we talked about that broad range of symptoms there are lots of reasons um that it is important to to see your gp early and to have it investigated for either the diagnosis of PCOS or, or something um, alternative. Mm. Um, so in terms of insulin resistance, I am familiar with that to an extent because I've done research myself out of curiosity and I have friends with uh, diabetes, but I haven't heard of it in the context of women's cells, uh, particularly PCOS. So why was that part of it? Yes. Yeah, so... So in some people with PCOS, they can have insulin resistance. So insulin is needed in our body to effectively use glucose, and we, we need glucose as a form of energy, um, and that comes from our carbohydrates. And so when insulin resistance occurs, it means that that ability to use the glucose effectively is not as efficient and so it means that you get an increase in the insulin being produced and then that is in a complicated way related to the um, increase in androgens that occurs in PCOS. So if you're at the stage where you want to get investigated what's the next step and who would you go and speak to? Yeah, so first protocol generally is your GP. Um, they're able to, you know, take as with anything, a thorough history exam um, and do the appropriate investigations if they think PCOS is something that needs to be investigated or ruled out. And I would definitely recommend seeing a GP that had an interest in female health if you're going for 
you know, similar type, re- these type reasons, these type of reasons. Um, and then they can also then refer on to appropriate specialties if they need to. So um, an endocrinologist or uh, for further support in management in terms of you know, potentially a exercise physiologist or dietitian or for fertility specialists if depending on on the individual and the situation mm-hmm. and so then there's a few different aspects of management and again would depend on the individual and the situation but the first is optimizing those lifestyle factors so um regular physical activity and healthy balanced diet and there is a lot of discussion around um, the role of carbohydrates particularly in those with insulin resistance and the data or the research is um, quite mixed but from the reading I've done so far and at, you know, in this current moment it looks to be more important about the type of carbohydrates rather than um, necessarily having to restrict or cut out things, uh, and then your general lifestyle stuff of minimizing alcohol and avoiding smoking, and then there are medical managements, and will depend again whether someone is actively trying to conceive or are wanting contraception at the time. Again, and as another branch of that, we mentioned earlier, there is also so psychological factors and symptoms that can occur in PCOS and so it's really important that they're also addressed appropriately whether that's through um, therapies or medications and and further support and then another role particularly for the GP is that they would be um, screening for cardiovascular and metabolic diseases because there is that increased risk if there's um, insulin resistance there. So that was a very uh, general overview of PCOS and uh, there is some really good uh, resources out there and that we'll pop in the show notes if you're wanting to do a little bit more reading. But of course, like everything, if it's something you want to have more of a conversation about or, or learn about for yourself, then check in with your health professional and we will be seeing you next week. Thanks, Elle. That was really good. Um, based on, like I've mentioned my friends a few times, quite a few of them suffer from this and quite a few of them don't really know what it is. So I think this is going to be a really valuable episode. So thank you, as always, for your insights. No worries. Um, of course, if you want to find us, we are on Instagram at sustaining.healthy as well as www.sustaininghealthy.com. Is there a dot .au on the end? I don't know. No, there's not. There's not. And just a reminder, our intention for this podcast is to share information for creating and sustaining a healthy lifestyle. And although the information discussed is based on knowledge gained through a medical and additional studies, it is general in nature and for educational and entertainment purposes. It is not intended to be in any form specific medical advice or recommendations or replace any form of treatment. All health queries and concerns should always be sought through your treating health practitioner with regards to your individual circumstances. The opinions in this podcast are solely of those of the individual and do not in any way reflect those of their employers or training facilitators.